Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Joining us in just a moment will be beat writer Orion Sang from the Detroit Free Press with his thoughts on a disappointing loss to Michigan State at home on Sunday. First, a few of my thoughts to get us going today. Sunday's loss at home was disappointing, but we are still right in the thick of the Big Ten race. We have to bounce back in the home finale this week against Nebraska, win on the road at Maryland, and then it could all come down to a final game matchup with the Spartans at the Breslin. It will not be easy, rest assured. Even though Michigan State was dealing with injuries, you knew they would bring it on Sunday. They did, and they rode the play of Cassius Winston to a W at Chrysler. This was a game in which we could not afford to have a long drought or shoot poorly from the outside, but that happened. We were getting a lot of good looks and not knocking down shots, and we also took our fair share of bad shots. Maybe more disappointing was the subpar defensive performance, especially in the first half. We did make the adjustments at half, but you still have to hit your open shots and play better D, and we just did not. So give the Spartans their due. They played hungry, and they brought their A game on the road. Now we have to bounce back and win the next two, which would set up a huge season finale against the Spartans at the Breslin. My guest today says it's possible. Up next on our game day segment is beat writer Orion Sang from the Detroit Free Press. Here on The Michigan Man, in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Here with us on our game day segment this week to talk Michigan hoops and, of course, what happened on Sunday at Chrysler against the Spartans is uh, Orion Sang from the Detroit Free Press. Orion, great to have you back with us. Good to be back. Thanks for having me on. Well, Sunday was, of course, the much-ballyhooed game between uh, the Spartans and Michigan, and it really turned into the Cassius Winston Clinic, didn't it? Yeah. I'm not sure if I expected the, the fireworks that that kind of occurred in the first half there and then throughout the game. I didn't really anticipate that going in. Well, you know, when you looked at that offensive attack that uh, the Spartans came in with, I think at the uh, the end of the Rutgers game, we saw them running that high ball screen offense, basically uh, letting uh, everything run off of Cassius. If he didn't shoot, he found people. And again, I think that might have caught John Beeline and the staff by surprise because this isn't something that they've done for 40 minutes in a game, this kind of an offense, is it? No. Um, I think part of this is, I was talking with some people after the game, Michigan State might be a better team right now, um, even though they have two stutters who are injured. They might be a better team just in terms of letting Cash just be able to handle the entire offense and do everything there because he's able to do it. He's able to handle handle the ball in every possession to look look for shots, create shots. Um, he's been really good. He's, he's probably favorite for Big Ten player of the year, I have to imagine right now. So he's really good, and this increased role in the offense has been good for him, I think. Well, the Spartans, uh, they haven't really looked that sharp on offense the last few weeks that I've seen them, but along with Cassius, they, they were really dialed in on Sunday, weren't they? Yeah, they were, and I think some of it was Michigan made some mistakes in the, in the ball screen coverage. Um, there were times when it seemed like Teske was late getting back to the big man. And, and that led to some uh, layups and a couple dunks for Xavier Tillman. Um, and some of the some of his teammates left open shooters on, on the wings. Um, 
but honestly, I think most of it was just Cassius because I don't know if Michigan's ball screen defense has ever played a point guard as surgical as Cassius was. Um, so a lot of it has to do with him. He was just so good. No, absolutely. I mean, uh, I, I kept thinking as I was watching the game and then after the game, what could Michigan have done different? I really don't know. Do you? I, I honestly don't know either because, I mean, you think about the way Michigan plays their, their ball screen defense. It's they hedge, right? They hedge on the ball. Mm-hmm, screen. Mm-hmm. That's, that's their M.O. So I, I, I don't know. If you, if you wanted to change something, like it wouldn't be changing – entire ball screen defense like fundamentally because teams just don't do that um maybe maybe you ask Teske not to hedge as hard and maybe try to get back quicker um i don't know but i mean like the one thing that they did do pretty well was they limited cassius and his three-point shooting because he's an elite three-point shooter and he was 0-3 yesterday so they stopped that they just weren't able to stop anything else in terms of cassius and his game do you think he cemented uh, big 10 player of the year with that performance on sunday yeah, honestly, I, I I think so. It was pretty close between him and Haps, but, I mean, Michigan State looks like it's going to win the Big Ten, and I guess that will probably have some play to who wins Big Ten Player of the Year, even though maybe it shouldn't. But, but I mean, he's been really good, so, and, he's, and he's about to lead this team to the Big Ten title, and this team has been depleted by injuries, so that should also count for something. Well, as impressive as Winston was for the Spartans, I thought Xavier Simpson was pretty darn good, too. He, he more than did his part, though, didn't he? Yeah, I thought he did a decent job in the first half of, um, you know, attacking and, and doing what he could because Michigan State was playing pretty far off of him. Mm-hmm. And I thought Xavier was still able to get to the basket a few times. Um, but I think Michigan State's game plan was they wanted Xavier to take the most shots on offense, and he did. And that probably went the way that Michigan State and Tom Izzo wanted it to because Xavier's a great point guard, but I don't know if he's the guy that you want taking a lot of threes. He was like two for seven, I believe. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That that might have been Michigan State's game plan. Izzo alluded to it after the game in terms of having him shoot threes because they played so far off of them. And Cassius was going underneath ball screens too which basically is saying, like, look, shoot it from outside. Coach B usually puts the pieces of the, the puzzle together this time of the season. We're, we're used to that. But on offense, there there just seems to be something missing, and, and really it, it has been for most of the year. It's, it's really hard to put a finger on, isn't it? Yeah. If I, if I had to try, I'd probably just say it's a lack of shooting because this team's three-point shooting isn't really what I expect from a normal, you know, John Beeline team. And if he had told me that Michigan would be 24-4 and four and average, like, what, 33 34% from three-point shooting, I would be – I mean, I wouldn't really believe it. You know, it's hard to imagine that. This team is just so different in terms of how they've been successful from other teams that he's had. Um, so it's a little weird, and I think people have to adjust to it. Um, I don't know how much offense can get better just because of how teams can play them. I think Michigan State showed the formula in terms of switching everything – you know, going under screens with Xavier. Um, I think that's a formula that other teams could adapt. Obviously, you have to have a big man who's able to switch screens and not get burnt, and Xavier Tillman was pretty good yesterday. Um, but I think other teams could try to replicate that going forward, and, and I'm not really sure where Michigan can, can improve to beat that type of defense. Well, offensively, as you, as you said, and I think it's pretty clear with three games left, this is not a good shooting team. The numbers bear that. I mean, it's not a bad shooting team, but – it's not the kind of team John Bielani's had the past seven or eight years or three years, uh, however far you want to go back, you know. But at, at this point, you really don't know what he can do. 
I don't know what he can try to sort of get this team out of their funk. Do you? No. Um, I think it starts with, with one player, though, in particular, and I think that's Jordan Poole, because if you're talking about a guy who can make teams pay for switching screens, I think you start with Jordan Poole, because Jordan Poole has the arsenal to really you know, take Bigman off the dribble or you know, hit threes over them, right, if they give him space, and then, and then maybe create you know, with his ball handling. So I think they have to fix Poole, because I don't know if he's been playing to his potential, over the past couple months, his shooting numbers are down. He seems to make a few mistakes every game that, that could be avoided. Um, so they need to kind of fix his game and, and get him going. And I've asked about it, and it's not – Beeline hasn't really had, you know, an answer. Otherwise, he would have, he would have found it by now. It's still a work in progress. Um, but I think they need to get Jordan going um, over the final stretch here. No, absolutely. If we have a shooter out there, it is him. But against Sunday against uh, State – even when he's getting open looks, he's also taking some really bad shots uh, right now. Yeah, yeah. I, I hate to, to like harp on a particular guy or or really go after mm-hmm. you know individual players, but I think if you ask Jordan this, he probably would agree. If you look back at the game and look back at the film, he didn't really have that great of a game on both ends. Um, I think he struggled with Matt McQuaid, and, and he was pretty enthusiastic with his closeouts. Too enthusiastic, I'd say. And then he, and then he, uh, I think there was that foul McQuaid threw on him. It was like a few seconds left in the shot clock. McQuaid pump faked, and and Jordan fell for it. That also wasn't that great of a play. And then on offense, I think Jordan probably forced a few threes. Um, he took a few deep ones, which has been a recurring problem. They've been talking all year about getting him to take threes closer to the line <laughs> because he likes really deep threes. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Like it, he's he's a very good player. He's very talented. He's been very key for his team this year. But they do need him to get going here down the stretch. No, absolutely, they do. But you know, another uh, key factor on Sunday, and, and, and I'm hoping not moving forward, was uh, Charles Matthews. So I know he had a wrist injury coming in, and then he had the ankle injury. I'm not sure if the, did that happen uh, during the game Sunday, or was that coming into the game? He already had that that ankle injury, Orion. I hadn't heard anything about the ankle injury coming in, um, and it looked like he tweaked it during yeah. Sunday's game. Um, but he has been dealing with a wrist injury all year. Basically, it's not like a, it's not a big thing. Um, but he just like, has to ice his wrist after games. He was icing it after Penn State. Um, it, I think it's just one of those things that that lingers and he has to deal with it. Um, and from what Beyond was saying after the game, the ankle injury sounds like it will be a short term thing. But you're right; they do need Charles to get going. Um, getting a version of Charles that like the Charles that played really well in last year's tournament. They probably want that version of Charles because he was really good. He was pretty efficient. Um, so if they could get that version, it would help the offense a ton. Yeah, we've we've got to get Charles back on the offensive side. But I think on Sunday that was a, a good example to all of us uh, how much he means to this team defensively. When he sat down with that first foul, I think it was uh, for 47 seconds. I'm sorry, into the game, it just throws the entire defense off when Charles is on the bench, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like there were a lot more open threes than. Um, I've been accustomed to watching this team this year. I, I think I mentioned this in one of the stories I wrote. It just seemed like Michigan gave up more open shots than they have to any other team this year from outside. It, I don't know. It, it was A lot of it was caches. Some of it was mistakes. Um, but it was uncharacteristic for Michigan's defense. As poorly as we uh, played an offense uh, on Sunday and then struggled on defense, the long droughts are the one thing that have been very consistent so far this year uh, and, and plagued this team all season. And, you know, again, with three games left, it's a concern, but what can you do about that, O'Ryan? That seems to me like it's, it's something that's 
always going to plague this team because yeah. it's been large enough of a sample size where we've we've seen them play almost an entire regular season now, and it seems at least every game there's one drought, and in the losses there are several droughts, like long extended droughts, and, and that really hurts the offense. Um, sometimes it, it just seems like they need a guy who can just you know snap them out of it, you know, someone who can be aggressive, who can score, create. I don't know, just someone who can step up and just get them out of this drought. You know, like like Cassius, I feel like if Michigan State is having a long drought, they have Cassius, right? Or mm-hmm. if Purdue is in the situation, it's Carson Edwards. Well, if, when Michigan is in these droughts, who is going to be that guy who can step up and sort of just lead the team out of it? I don't really know yet. Well, you know, after the uh, the game on Sunday, I was reading uh, a lot online, you know, about how Michigan got out-coached and out-schemed. But, you know, really, if you watch that game, I think it really, sometimes it, it's as simple as this. Michigan State just played a much better game. Yeah, I think I was talking with someone after the game about this, but I think when it comes to football and basketball, um, I think coaching might matter a lot more in football in terms of the X's and O's. Because in basketball, um, some of it just comes down to hitting shots, you know. Honestly, I did. I was a little surprised um, by Michigan State's adjustments on defense because last year um, you, you saw Michigan's two wins that Michigan State didn't really change up how they defended ball screens. Mm-hmm. Um, and this year they come out and they start switching screens. So give credit to Izzo and Michigan State because they did a very good job of adjusting. And now it's on John Beeline and, and Luke Bjorklich and staff to make their own adjustments. And if, I don't know, if, if you look at their track record, I would say they're pretty good at doing that. So I'm, I'm already looking forward to the rematch because it should be pretty good. I think we're all going to look forward to that. But uh, you, you've seen this team all year, Orion. Do you think this Michigan team has hit their ceiling and there's nowhere else for them to go as far as getting better at this point? Yeah, it, it might sound like I'm, I'm pretty pessimistic from what I've said so far. Um, they need to get the offense back to where it was. Um, in, in November and early December, in, in those North Carolina games against against Purdue, um, they need to find that stride. I think I think one of the things I've noticed is that there are very few times when they are able to calibrate Brad Dacus, Matthews, and Poole to play well together at the same time. You, I mean, if, if you, have you noticed the same thing? You know, mm-hmm. sometimes it's one of them playing well or two of them, but never all three. And, and all three played really well against North Carolina, and they blew North Carolina out, and they, and they did that early in the year. I think they need to try to find a way to get all of them in sync because that's, that's the best version of this offense is when all three of those guys are just playing super well. Xavier's in command of the offense. Teske's contributing. Like that, that is, I think, the peak of this offense, and I think we may have seen that. They, need just, they just need to get back to that. Well, despite the disappointment of Sunday's loss, the Big Ten title, or at least a share of it, is still uh, in play and a very real possibility, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, it all comes down to that rematch at, at the Breslin Center. They need to win that game, basically, because, I mean, if you lose two to Michigan State, I don't see any way you win the title. But the bigger point that stands is that, you know, even if they don't win the title, these are some issues that they need to sort out before March because this team is still looking at a, at a two or three seed heading into the tournament, and, and they've got everything ahead of them that they want to accomplish. So they just need to figure some of these issues out on offense, and, and they should be okay. Well, absolutely. They have some things to figure out, and there's not a lot of room for error. Uh, Nebraska comes in this week for the last home game. Your thoughts on that matchup with the Huskers? Nebraska looks like it's given up. I've watched them play a couple times. I believe Roby is out for the year Mm -hmm. with an injury. Um, James Palmer hasn't really played that well this year, not as well as I might have expected. 
Um, and, and Tim Miles is probably on his way out. So that should be, it's at home to a senior night. I don't really see any way Michigan loses that. And then that sets up two very pivotal games because Maryland is at Maryland. And, and Maryland and Wisconsin are still hunting. You know, they're still close. They're nipping at Michigan's heels in the Big Ten standings. So Michigan's kind of in this weird situation where it's like halfway between competing for the title and competing for seeding in the Big Ten tournament. If that makes any sense. Yeah, and I, and I'm with you. I think in Nebraska, not that uh, not that they're going to mail it in <laughs> when they come in Thursday, but they're not playing well. The one that really scares me for us to get uh, to the Breslin and have it be a, a game for uh, a share of the Big Ten title is that game in Maryland. Uh, they really are a talented young team, and they play tough there. Yeah, yeah, they're really good. They're, I don't know, like they might be probably the most talented team. Yeah. And just in terms of ball recruiting, um, Fernando, Jalen Smith, who's a McDonald's All-American. I like. I really like the two freshmen that they have, Wiggins and Ayala. Um, and then the point guard, of course, Cohen is, is really good. Um, so, so they're a good team, and they're pretty. They're pretty hard to beat at home. Um, that'll be a tough matchup for Michigan. And I think the key there is they need uh, John Teske to stay out of foul trouble because uh, Bruno Fernando is a load inside. Again, uh, we've got three more left. A lot of things uh, to fix. More than you would like uh, to get fixed at this time of the year, but that's that's the way it is. So final question for you, though, Ryan. Uh, Sunday was a, a big day, not only because it was Michigan, Michigan State. You don't have to, to say anything else more, but because former championship teams were honored including the 89 National Championship team. It was really nice to see Coach Fisher come back and hear the welcome he received, wasn't it? It's a little weird for me because um, I, I grew up in Ann Arbor and um, I, I was born long after they won a, they won a title. So mm-hmm. I didn't really know about that team growing up. Um, but reading about it, it does seem like the ending between Fisher and the program, it, it was a little, I don't know, it was un- unceremonious maybe. It was... I wouldn't say bitter, but it just seemed like a pretty big split. You know, they fired him, and he, and he had to move on with his life and his, and his career. Um, so I think it's, it's always good to have this sort of reunion where you can get a guy who won the school's only national title, get him to come back and sort of reunite him with the program and create that bond again. It's never a bad thing. And, and they had so many alumni there. Um, I think it was the most they've, they've ever had under Beeline, probably the most they've ever had in general. Um, it's good to create these bonds with former players and past teams. I was around when uh, Coach Steve Fisher was uh, was here and coaching, and he was uh, a beloved coach uh, while here. And, of course, uh, we all know it's all documented uh, how it went south, when it went south. But I think Coach Beeline was really, as you know, instrumental in getting him and the team back and honoring Fisher. Coach B's right. It, it really is something that is it's healing, and it needed to be done. Yeah, credit, credit goes to John Beeline because he's been very good about getting you know past players back who maybe weren't connected at all to this program, and, and getting coaches back and, and everyone back. Um, he really wants to, to sort of honor the tradition and history of the program, and I, I think that means a lot to, to Michigan fans. It means a lot to those former players and former coaches. Um, and, and it can mean a lot to the current players and, and future players as well. If they can be able to forge some relationships with, I don't know, Glenn Rice, Jalen Rose, that matters. A healing day, not so much uh, a great game for, for Michigan fans uh, as far as the final outcome, 77-70. But we have three big games left, and, and who knows what can happen. So we shall see. Our guest here on the show today has uh, been beat writer Orion Sang from the Detroit Free Press. And as always, Orion, we, we appreciate you taking the time and down the road in March uh, when we get things going with the tournament, Big Ten uh, tournament 
or the NCAAs. We hope to get you back on. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Take care, Mike. Quick Hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. On Quick Hits today, Coach Kim Barnes-Arico and her team saw their seven-game winning streak come to an end on Sunday at the Breslin, falling to Michigan State 76-64. They will conclude the regular season on Sunday when Wisconsin visits Chrysler Center. They are 19-10 overall, 10-7 in the Big Ten. Hockey split a pair with number 6 Ohio State at Yost over the weekend. They will finish the regular season up in Madison against the Badgers this weekend. We are 13-12-7 overall, 9-8-5 in Big Ten play. Softball is off to a slow 4-6 start and will be out in California for the Judy Garman Classic this weekend, and it is a loaded-up tournament with UCLA, Tennessee, Oregon, Washington, and Cal State Northridge. Baseball is off to a perfect 6-0 start. They swept the Citadel down in Charleston over the weekend and will join softball on the coast for three this weekend when they visit Cal State Northridge. A reminder that our free show app is available from the Google and iTunes stores. You can also hear us weekly on Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, and Spotify. If you get the show from iTunes, please take a minute to comment or rate the program, and we thank you in advance for doing that. That will do it for another show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Have a great Wolverine week, everyone. Until next time, take care, and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!